Delighted to welcome on to this week's TRN podcast, uh, leadership guru, speaker, consultant, expert, uh, one of my favorite thought leaders in the space of leadership, Glenn Daly. Uh, Glenn will be sharing some of his thoughts about leadership, what's changed, the impact of the uncertainty, the impact of the last 12 months, but equally some of the things that fundamentally haven't changed in the last 50 or 60 years. Uh, love spending time with Glenn. I hope you enjoy it. Fantastic warm welcome to Glenn Daly onto the TRN podcast. Good to see you, Glenn. Good to see you, Gordon. Thanks for having me. Uh, now, some of you will know Glenn. Uh, he's been uh, involved with uh, the Recruitment Network over the years, and some of you might not. But Le Glenn falls under the, uh, I'm going to describe you as a leadership guru, Glenn. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that one? No pressure then. No. <laughs> um, and you, you spend your life uh, consulting, speaking, uh, helping businesses develop their, their leadership and, uh, and their business. How has the last 12 months been for you? Yeah, um, very interesting, Gordon. As you've said, most people have had to pivot. Obviously, we, we haven't been able to do face to face. But yes, I've kept pretty busy. You know, of course, you know, the volume changed initially. So, you, you know, you saw a slight as people try to get um, aligned with what was happening. But towards the end of the year, I think everyone just said, well, this is what it is. Let's get on with it. Yeah, yeah. And it's been pretty busy, I must say, particularly the start of this year has been pretty manic for me. So I'm grateful for that. Glenn, and you, you and I, we're, we're both also speakers for something called Vistage International. Yes. And, uh, every single year you get on stage as one of the uh, high performers, outperformance, biggest impact. Um, so um, you're rather good at it, to say the least. <laughs> how, how, have you, how have you adopted to the, um, to the screen speaking? And the screen screen work you've done versus the face to face. Well, I think it's really it's interesting because you get the odd group that says you know you've got to do things totally different. But my experience is I haven't had to do a lot differently. Um, you know, with, with breakout rooms, I've found Teams a bit more challenging, but Zoom has been quite flexible. Yeah, being able to do breakout rooms and, and groups love that. You know, the chairs and, and people like yourself will say, you know, are you going to make it interactive? So we'll do breakout rooms, exercises. I mean, if you get a very large group, then that's, yeah, you know, you have to appoint team leaders to to feedback exercises because you can't do twenty seven forty people yeah. giving you feedback as you would have a room of twelve fifteen or something like that. But no, I, I found that um, you're probably doing shorter sessions. You know, as you say, when we're doing those, sometimes it's a three, three hour, three and a half hour sort of morning session or something like that. So I've done 90 minute sessions, two hour sessions, two and a half hour sessions. Mm. Um, and so you adapt accordingly. Yeah. yeah, I've found it works quite well. Yeah, I've, I've adapted the man, well. The man who does the best pause I've seen from any speaker while he allows his audience to digest what you just said. Um, uh, I imagine that works just as well over Zoom. But ju just tell me, um, I, I want you, did a, you, you did an absolute killer session uh, uh, probably a year and a half ago with TRN members where, where you were talking about strategy. Yeah. And you, you were, uh, it was just brilliant the way you sort of made it simple, uh, which is never very easy and is an art in itself. What, what, the last 12 months have been uh, all about uncertainty. And even though we've just yes. hit... 
15 million vaccinations, which is amazing. So people are, are hopefully getting a little bit more optimistic about some sort of way out. What, what, what in terms of, um, what, what are the big changes in this type of scenario, in this type of market where there is uncertainty? What are the big changes from a strategy? Is it all about just coming short term or are there other things you need to get right? Well, that's interesting because uh, I think back in about May last year, I was running a session and, and I actually said five year strategies go out the window now. And um, I think uh, someone reacted quite, <laughs> um, when I say violently, I don't mean physically, obviously we're virtually, but they, they weren't happy with that because um, they said, well, no, I, I'm not letting go of my strategy. And I think there was a confusion be regarding what strategy is and what mission, vision and purpose are. Okay. I, I absolutely agree that we should hold on to our purpose. Be really clear, you know, why we exist, you know, all the way back to Simon Sinek, start with why. And we, we should hold on to that vision. We may say in three or five years, this is where we want to be. But how we get there, which is what strategy is about, absolutely now needs to be flexible. We're going to have to, you know, to use that overused word now, pivot. And be, when we, short term isn't, we check, make our vision short term, but we're going to have to say, how do we actually approach what's in front of us? You know, wherever six or nine months may have been periods where we checked in, we may have to check in a little bit, you know, milestones will come closer, I think. Yeah, I mean, I love there's a quote by um, Henry Mintzberg, which says that um, strategy is a pattern of decisions that intentionally or otherwise sets the long term direction of the organization. And I think the decisions that we make now, we have to make them faster. It has to be iterative. So, do you, you know, the um, lean startup process mm -hmm. from Eric Rees, you know, build, measure, learn. We have to iterate a cycle through that a lot faster, a mm. lot faster. You know, we can't say, oh, well, when's our quarterly review? Mm. Things are changing so dramatically, so quickly. Even if we don't think they are, we say, OK, we're in lockdown for a while. We'll wait till we come out of this. Mm. I think it was Microsoft um, CEO Satya Nadella said that they've seen in, the, in Q2 of last year, two years adoption of cloud technology just in one quarter so we can't wait that long anymore so to me strategy is to become very iterative now very iterative and how but how often again obviously different businesses in different places but but how when we're talking about reviewing and measuring and learning how often how often are we looking at are we, are we saying actually we should step above it every month and just say right where are we up to what's happening out there or is it or is it quarterly or is it well, I mean, if, if, for example, just in ordinary times, yeah, some people were viewing things, say, monthly or weekly. And the supermarket, I'm just saying the supermarket, for example, would review things daily. That, yeah. that's, that was their cadence. Yeah. I feel you have to find your cadence. And I, and I think more than monthly, this, we're not talking about changing the whole vision or purpose. As I say, hold on to your purpose, hold on to your vision. But yeah. I, I think you have to constantly your people are, are working remotely now you're not seeing so i think monthly you've got to at least sit down and and just have a, have a gentle milestone there where are we what did we set out to achieve because we need more rapid feedback and so i i would say yeah let at least monthly i mean in the old days we were hold, holding on to to quarterly strategy and people weren't doing that 
<laughs> so I'd say check in a monthly, you know, and say what's changed. And this is not just looking at who's hit target. You know, we're doing that all the time. We're doing that weekly. It's what's happening in the environment. What's changing? You know, we hear about house price, you know, what people are looking for different um, types of property, you know, are we going to go back into the center of town? What are the big banks and the like saying about recruitment policy? And what are they saying about um, where staff will work? You know, is Canary Wharf ever going to be full again? Yeah. We, we have to be, I think, paying much more attention to what's happening in the media, particularly in our field here of recruitment. Yeah. And do, do you, what are some of the skills that have come to the fore um, that you that uh, that you've seen so if, if i guess if we're checking in and re reviewing and listening and getting feedback more uh, are those skills that were, have always been important but we just need to do more of better yeah i when when you were walking the floor some of that just happened by osmosis yeah. <laughs> i think you now have to be um intentional very intentional about it you can't say, oh, I've gone to get a coffee. Oh, and, and there's Helen. I'll check in with her. Yeah, yeah. It's not happening. So you have to be intentional. And I, I was running a workshop last week and uh, the week before I'd run part one and uh, one of the um, delegates, she said, Glenn, you know what? I've, I've set aside 10 minutes to speak to all my people each week, non-work. Mm. And she said, you know, I felt so good doing it and they really enjoyed it. Just, you know, just ran out has our own schooling, all this sort of thing. So it, it, it's empathizing, it, it's touching base mm -hmm. and uh, you, you've got to build the engagement and that trust, which sometimes just happened because of frequency of contact. Mm -hmm. Now you have to make sure that you, you almost plan that in mm -hmm. so that, you, you know, the phone call isn't just what's a billings figure. And people are thinking, God, I can't even find it because um, yeah. I've got homework in front of me and I, I've got blocks of bricks. <laughs> you know, so just to pick the phone up and notice this, I, I think sometimes the phone is going out of fashion, but it doesn't have to be a Zoom call all the time. Yeah. So just a phone call. So I think be intentional in your leadership, I think, in terms of building empathy and trust. Trust, I think, is even more important now. Mm. Um, than when you saw people, they can see the smile on your face all the time and, you know, just feel that vibe in the office. That did some of it for you. But there are some people now who thrived on relationships more than others and, and they're missing that. And so just to have you touch base and engage, so your leadership has to be intentional and personal as mm. well as provide the direction and clarity and purpose for the business. And, and that trust trust piece comes from, I guess, demonstrating you care about me. So yes. that's the empathy bit you've, you've just mentioned. Um, and and the, the other thing I always relate to trust is obviously delivery, as in you say, you do what you say you're gonna do. Yes. Which is uh, more challenging when there's a lot of lot more unknowns out there. Um, yeah. And I think that's one um, reason for having what I, I'd say, are, is this a more iterative, flexible planning cycle? Be, don't make massive promises. Mm. <laughs> you know, we, we love it in, in, in a sales-oriented field to, to set stretch goals, you know, but they're stretch and there's ridiculous. 
Yeah. So <laughs> if you want to walk the talk, you know, let, let's set, you know, nice time frames, targets that are, that are achievable. People need to feel right now a sense of achievement. Mm. They, they don't want to dread that weekly um, Zoom call with the rest of the team when they wasn't able to do it. Mm. And, and, you know, positive thinking only goes so far. You know, we need positive affirmation as in we did well, we achieved. Let's build to the next step. So I think be mindful of that, how, how our goal setting is. And, and then having shorter, sharper um, feedback cycles is probably very useful in that regard. Mm. Now, as a as a as someone who's um, uh, been talking about studying, helping others in terms of the whole leadership piece, is there a, what sort of changes might take place moving forward? Where when we do get back out of restrictions and um, um, and, and back into the workplace, what, what changes from a leadership point of view as opposed to a business point of view do you think uh, might come to the fore in twenty twenty one beyond? You mean developing others or just what will leaders have to think yeah, about? How, how, how will leadership be different than it might have been 18 months ago pre, pre-pandemics pre and COVID? Well, whether it's pre-pandemic or something I've noticed recently is that leaders are being asked to engage with the real world. <laughs> And as you said, not just the business. And I think the, the example, we've had this case just recently, haven't we, with the, um, I don't know if we were able to mention this a company on, on the yeah. podcast here, mm-hmm. we, you know, with the KPMG um, situation, yeah? Now, this isn't a comment on the individual. I don't know the individual. We don't know the context. But he was, I think we're going to find we're being held to a higher standard mm. as leaders. I mean, going through the pandemic, we've seen the interconnectedness of the world. You know, we, we suddenly shift from, let's say, oh, bankers are the masters of the universe. And we now say key workers are the masters of the universe. So we care. People realize how much they rely and depend on others. And I think your, your team, your staff are engaging with the issues in the world. You know, whether we, we think it's climate change or treatment of animals, you know, you've got environmental, social, you know, the ESG, UN Sustainable Development Goals, all this sort of thing, diversity, inclusion, gender pay, you know, all this, these issues might have been out there before, as in, well, they're things that people talk about. I'm finding increasingly that staff are saying, I care about this. I want my organization to care about it. Mm. I want my organization to engage with these issues. And not just to mouth it, not to write it down as a set of values, mm. but to be congruent with it, be in harmony with it. Mm. And I think that's going to be where leaders are going to find themselves, particularly leading the next generation going forward, being called to account. Mm. You know, don't say it if you don't mean it. <laughs> I think that's what I'm saying. You know, this is not about being politically correct as people like. Don't say it if you don't mean it. If you don't care about something, don't don't say it. But don't pretend to be, care about it because you'll be held to account by your your staff. Staff, I feel, are not afraid now to to say, "What are we doing about this?" We said we cared about the the pay gap, and it's not changed. And we, or we are recruiting for organizations 
who we don't believe in their values. And that's going to be a challenge for recruitment firms, you know, how, where have you put your values and who are you working for? You know, that, I'm out of my scope there saying that, but I think staff are going to be using that kind of um, challenge to leadership going forward. You know, I agree. And, and, and it, it's very clear as well that uh, employers who are want, wanting to work with recruitment agencies are going to be looking for evidence from the recruitment agencies that actually some of the things yes to them their values are actually being aligned so it's that you know that talent supply chain are you are you on the same page as us if you are we can work together if you're not absolutely uh, yeah i mean that, that's yeah. I, I was talking to these two um dutch women they're 20 20 year olds phenomenal they were they they, they advised the un on the next generation and wow. um I try to relate to what I was doing as a 20 year old. It wasn't quite. <laughs> but the. Uh, yeah, I wasn't advising the UN. <laughs> exactly what you were saying. This thing about words don't matter. It's evidence. You know, just show yes. me evidence. Evidence to me that what you talk about, you actually do. Um, yes. So I think um, some of the nice words on web websites might get exposed a little bit in terms of um, pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean. This happened a lot in the States where people, you know, were agreeing to certain things and saying, we, you know, even sending out messages that, you know, last year, we know some of the incidents and things that happened and they were being called out by the employees going, oh, hang on, <laughs> that's not what it's like here. Yeah. And, and, you know, even the odd CEO was stepping down. So I think, you know, don't say it if you don't mean it. Transparency is another thing, you know, with, with where we are now, um, just nothing is hidden. Yeah. Nothing is hidden. And, you know, when I first started, you know, back working in the eighties, um, a common phrase was people were told things on the need to know basis. <laughs> you may remember some of that, but I don't think that applies anymore. Yeah. You know, people want to know, people expect they have a right to know. They're giving you their time, their loyalty, their effort, discretionary effort in many cases. And if you want that, then you have to engage with your staff. You have to involve yeah. them in decision-making. When you think about the next generation, obviously we've got the show, show me actually what you do and care about, uh, don't tell me. From a leadership point of view, what other changes um, should managers of people be uh, developing themselves at? How has it, it changed and how will it change moving forward with the, the next generation coming through? A lot of recruiters, obviously, the profile of employees, a lot of them will be in their 20s. Um, yes. So is the, the art of managing that generation as opposed to my generation? I think, you know, I think it links to what we've just been discussing is that whereas people just wanted a salary beforehand, and then did work outside, they want meaning to be in work. So it's almost back to that Maslow hierarchy of needs where you've got self-actualization at the very top. Not every organization can complete that self-actualization. It's probably not the role of the organization to do that, but to realize people work now for meaning. They're willing to just change, mm. you know, when I started work, you expected to be there for 40 years. You really did. Um, and it was, you know, I remember when I left my first job up, you know, in the city, 
you know, my mom cried, you know, she was like, oh no, you're leaving this great job, you know, it's got everything, you know, pensions, whatever, you're gonna go out and work for yourself and, and all that. But nowadays that doesn't even occur to people. People, yeah. you know, so why would they work with you? Mm. Why, why, you know, what engages them? And I think, as you mentioned, the, the 20 year olds at the UN, people wanna make a difference now. Mm. They, they, you know, so they want to say, am I working with a company with passion? So leaders have to engage, share and tell a story. You know, what are, what are we about? It's not just the cash. Yeah. Um, and you might say, yeah, I know lots of my staff want cash. What for? They're not stacking it up in their bedroom. They're going to do stuff with it. They're going to tour the world. They're going to make a difference. So, so I say engage with your staff, find out what's meaningful for them mm. and help them achieve their goals. That, you know, we talk about leadership being about the, the art of mobilizing others to struggle for shared aspirations. Shared, what's their aspirations as well as your aspirations? Mm. I think, as you said, if we show people we care, we recognize them, we value them, we care about their aspirations, we have committed stuff. Yeah. What do you um what do you um what do you love about what you do? I think well, we all say this making a difference. Um, but when people say, Glenn, you spoke two or three years ago, and that's the most rewarding, they tell you what they did with it or the difference it made, yeah. and it's 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 that impact, really making a positive change. Someone someone said an outcome is where a customer changes their behavior yeah yeah as a result and and i think that's it if, if people change their behavior as a result of having come into contact with me heard me then that's the reward that really is a reward fantastic fantastic and and you um in in terms of some of the, the people that inspire you a little bit these days externally who are some of the thought leaders that you think, yeah, I like what you're about, you've got it? Well, I, I'm probably, when I say old school in that, um, to me, I think the greatest guru of all was Peter Drucker. Okay. I mean, I, you know, if I can find anything that, that Drucker <laughs> has, has, has written or, you know, I, I will constantly... Um, abide by you know he he basically invented management as we know it today and even now it's taught in business schools and beyond um and every now and then someone comes up with something new and fresh and you think hang on drucker said that <laughs> in 1965 or 1955 and um you know one of the things he, he always talks about is um strategic reprioritization and he says you've got to abandon some things creative abandonment and, you know, we all have to do lists, but what's on our not to do list? And you ask what's going to change when we come out of this. I think a lot of people are going to have to go, what's, what am I not going to be doing going forward? That, you know, things are going to change and start thinking about that now. You know, what am I not going to be doing yeah. going forward? Yeah. Okay. So, Drucker, well, so he, when was he at his peak? 60, yeah? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he's still peaking. He's still peaking. He, I mean, he, he's he's um, you know, he's not with us anymore. He died before the turn, you know, before we got in two thousands. But I just say anything you find from Peter Drucker um, is what I mean. Jim Collins, 
good to great. Mm. And in terms of getting discretionary effort from your team, um, a book that I, I find myself continually recommending is Drive by Dan Pink, mm. where he talks about the three you know, components of motivation. Now, motivation 3.0, he calls it, which is autonomy, giving your people choice. Yeah, mastery. Do they feel they are improving, they're learning, they're getting better, they're developing? And purpose. Why? 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 Why are we doing? We talked a lot about purpose, I think, today. So, you know, you can I always remember is AMP, AMP, you know, you amping it up. Autonomy, mastery, purpose. So I'd say Dan Pink, Jim Collins, um, and Peter Drucker. They're they're people that drive, float my boat. <laughs> But does it, I'm quite interested in this because, so does it, I, I mean, I have some sort of go-to people whose, whose concepts and theories, I thought that just makes total sense to me. And even though I might've come across them 25 years ago, they still make utter, utter sense yes. now. And so, so with, with some of these concepts, which are all about people, and I know maybe strategy and managing organizations and businesses, but when it's right, it's right, yeah? Uh Absolutely, Gordon. I'm totally with you on that because people may be expecting me, you know, to, you know, to talk about things that Elon Musk says or, or whatever. You know, I've got nothing against the dude. He's an incredible visionary. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a bit like hearing a, a, a Motown song or Super Tramp or something. Yeah. Versus some of the songs you hear today. You know which one's going to last. <laughs> So I tend to spend my time with people whose principles, as you say, concepts last, stand the test of time. They're not just a buzzword or a snazzy yeah. phrase for now. They, they're, they're foundational. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't, when you were in Motown, I wasn't, I wouldn't have double-guessed Supertramp, although I'm a big Supertramp fan, so, you know, I'm happy with it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that, that, that's quite interesting. So, so the, do you think there's quite a lot of, when people are, developing new principles and theories about leadership or whatever it's a different take on some of the proven theories a lot of the time oh absolutely 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 i mean that people talk you know there's a saying um, no plan survives first contact with the enemy um and whether we've heard that or not but it was um a prussian army officer van malt who <laughs> came up with that <laughs> yeah so I just think the best leadership principles are there. They, they, they're, you know, and people just put new spins on them. You know, agile is, is a sort of um, lean, lean Kanban methodology and so on. And agile shouldn't be just um, left in the corner for software to do. And, and I'd say that's something I've learned a lot, that the software industry um, are very keen learners and mm. they are... I would say revise, revising a lot of principles of how to run an operation or any business. Um, and they don't care where they get that information from, whether it's from the Toyota production system, lean thinking, you, you look into the software development world, wherever they can find knowledge, they get it. And that's what we, we have to be curious and hungry for knowledge. There must be, yeah, and that's interesting you mentioned those. I've, I've, I've got joining us on the podcast in a few weeks is Robbie Kellman Baxter, who wrote a couple of my favourite books at the moment. Oh, right. Uh, the membership. Oh, right. Okay. The Forever Transaction. Transaction, yeah. He was very involved with Netflix building their subscription model. Uh, and we all know, we all know, all know what's happened there. But the, I mean, that is one thing that has changed is the, the speed of innovation. Yes. Uh, and I, and I think it'll be fascinating to see what comes out of uh, this recession and this last 12 months where people have innovated 
so so quickly. Yeah, and I can't remember really, but a book that I'm I'm currently reading um, is "Start Less, Finish More." Okay. And I just like that type because when I go into work with organizations, the one thing I would say there's a lack of clarity, too many objectives, too many initiatives, too many so-called priorities. And the original definition of the term priority was one. <laughs> you couldn't have seven priorities. A priority was a priority. And you know, if I had to leave something with the listeners of this podcast is really have a good look and see you know what you have drucker used to say you should only have no more than two priorities and he said i let people have three because if people get bored they can look at the third one <laughs> so if you've got seven go review go review yeah no fantastic good so um uh general general feel about 2021 optimistic yeah i'm, I'm optimistic yeah, I, I genuinely am. I, you know, I, I feel we've shown our resilience. As I said, you know, last year, March, and probably even the first couple of weeks of April, there was a little bit of headlights, you know, people caught in the headlights. What do we do? But people responded so quickly. But almost every business I come across, you know, they found a way, you know, hospitality, of course, you know, absolute nightmare. That That's something totally different. But most other businesses I come across have found a way to adapt, be flexible, and, you know, I, I'm optimistic. I think we, you know, we will bounce back. We have to live with this. We have to find a way of living with it. But yeah, I'm definitely optimistic. Brilliant, Glenn. And if somebody wanted to uh, get your input, get your involvement in their business uh, for the leadership team or, or the wider team, do they reach out to you directly? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they can uh, contact me. Yeah, I don't know if you put that in the details of the podcast. Yeah, yeah absolutely. More than happy mm -hmm. to help. Well, Glenn, just to answer a question and remind him of a book title, whatever. <laughs> no, I love it, love it. Glenn, it's been brilliant. We, you've been involved with us for a couple of years now. We've absolutely loved it and the feedback has been amazing. So thank you for joining us and Thanks really so good to see you. And um, Likewise. see you soon. It's been great. Yeah, look forward to it. Thanks, Gordon. Take care.